It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Today is Free Advice Friday, the day that I will take your calls and answer your questions if you have any. Feel free to call in. The number is 424-220-1801. If you have anything you want to discuss about narcissistic abuse um, or contribute any information or handy tips that you have that you want to share with everybody, uh, please feel free to call in 424-220-1801. I want to let you all know, and I've probably said this before, but my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, is now in um, available in audio. And you can now get that. It will be available through many channels. I think currently it's only available through Amazon. Um, the audio book gives you a completely different perspective on the book. So if you've read the book, you may want to then go back and, <clears throat> and get the audio version and listen to it because you're going to get different things. You're going to hear different things than you did um, when you read through it the first time. So that's one thing uh, I wanted to talk to you about. The other thing is to remind you all that I do have the app on your mobile app for your iPhone and um, actually for all all phones. <laughs> it's a mobile app called Narcissistic Abuse Awareness, and you can um, get that very easily by downloading it. And um, that's pretty much I ha- all I have for housekeeping today. Today I want to talk to you about how uh, narcissists brainwash us. And basically, I'm going to focus today on adult relationships because the brainwashing that happens with when you are the child of a narcissistic parent or um, or anybody that's um, raising you doesn't have to be a parent. That process is very subtle. It's very slow. It begins the day that you're born, and there's it's just a process of basically depriving you of becoming an individual, of having a self. Um, but the brainwashing process that happens when you are in a adult relationship or entering into adult relationship is very specific. And so I wanted to sort of go over that so you understand how you got caught up in all of this. Okay, so the first stage of brainwashing is the idealization stage. And this is when the narcissist is grooming you, potentially your family, your friends, and they are creating this sense of trust, this sense of commitment. And this is about them feigning, making you feel as if you're loved, but at the same time, 
they're planting seeds of self-doubt in you. The point is to create emotional dependency and secure power over you in the relationship. At this time, they are causing you to feel a sense of gratitude and obligation and owing them something. And what happens with you as the survivor or the the target is that you feel this intense sense of love and trust. Often, it is this intense sexual attraction, sexual desire. And it works on the brain levels of dopamine and serotonin in your brain, which causes you to feel attached person. It feels a sense, you feel this sense of owing the person for their generosity. Um, And so this starts with the honeymoon stage. And this is where the abuser will begin to groom you. This is what we hear uh, um, called as love bombing. And you are put up on a pedestal. Everything is moved quickly. Intimacy is rushed. You are flattered. You are given excessive attention. And the seduction, the sexual seduction is also intense. But you feel as if the person is very kind and generous and empathetic. They are mirroring you at this time, um, often giving you gifts, taking you out on dates that are over-the-top, elaborate, taking you on vacations that are very romantic. They are mirroring you to create this sense of this this strong bond. So you feel like you've met the perfect person for you. Um, Often there's a talk of a future with you, dreaming about that future that you both want. And this is based on things that you reveal to the narcissist so that they know exactly what it is you are looking for. Um, the narcissist will share with you, or I should say overshare with you, aspects of his or her past, childhood, to get you to share your past with that person, with the narcissist. Um, it's this bonding over the trauma that you've both had or the crazy ex-spouses or ex-partners that you both had. Um, They are testing to see where your boundaries, if any, lie. So that's the honeymoon stage. Um, The next stage is the devaluation stage. And during this time, the narcissist is exposing this inner wound, this true self, this person that uh, it's called narcissistic injury. So they're responding to inappropriate behaviors. Um, So they feel threatened or defensive or betrayed or victimized. And 
anytime you say anything that's negative or critical, this is what you are going to get. You're going to get the rage. Um, they also begin to control you through triangulation with other people and comparing you to other people. This is the time where they will accuse you of being flirtatious or cheating on them. And this is done to create insecurity within you and to make you feel as if you are replaceable, where before you were irreplaceable. You were the only person for uh, this abuser. So um, okay. Okay, also during this time, you are you begin to question your reality. You doubt your reality, you question your sanity, and the narcissist is becoming more resentful. They begin to love bomb and groom new victims. And then you, they use your emotional distress to attract sympathy from others and to justify how they're abusing you and how they're betraying you. Um, you feel at this time devalued and punished for inconveniencing your abuser by trying to set boundaries, by calling out unacceptable behavior by not being complacent or obedient. And now, whereas you were, you had these heightened levels of dopamine and serotonin, now you're experiencing decreased levels of these things, which causes you to have depression and anxiety, fear and doubt, sleep problems, memory problems, and cognitive dissonance, confusion, disconnection. You're not trusting your intuition anymore. You've lost your sense of reality. And you begin to walk on eggshells because you are trying to just go along with everything, just to get along and avoid the escalation of problems. But while you're doing this, you are blaming yourself for the problems that are occurring in the relationship because you don't know you're involved with a narcissist and you don't know what kind of tactics are used on use being used on you. So this walking on eggshells and um, trying harder and harder to please this person, you're trying to get the attention back. You're trying to get back the person that you met initially and you become oversensitive, over-aware to the oscillating moods of the narcissist. So you're trying to predict when things are going to change. So you're, you're jumping through hoops, trying to figure out um, how to avoid this conflict. You begin to deny any intuition that you had before. And rather than seeing hope, you're clinging to it, hoping that things will change. Um, During this tension building time, 
the abuser is making these subtle suggestions that are supposed to improve you under the guise of being concerned about you. You're being criticized. You're being degraded. You're being insulted. You are called names or derogatory kind of terms. And when you say anything to the abuser, they say that they're just trying to be funny. And why don't you have a sense of humor? Um, Also, during this tension building stage, you are getting more and more isolated. You're restricted from your friends, your family, the resources that give you support and comfort, the activities that you used to use the, do before that brought you comfort, now they're being criticized and you're, they're being taken away from you. And you're losing interest in them as well. Um, the narcissist is withdrawing from you emotionally. <clears throat> you're giving either, you're be, either being raged at or you're getting the silent treatment or you're being stonewalled, which means that blockages are putting in Putting, being put up in front of you so nothing can get done. You'll find that promises will be made and then at the last minute things will be sabotaged or um, arrangements will be changed so that nothing ever happens the way it's supposed to happen. Um, you are, everything that you do is wrong. They're nitpicking on everything. You're being intimidated. You're being gaslit. And triangulation with other people is happening at this time where, and often what they'll do is they'll, if they're starting another relationship, or even they may pretend they're starting another relationship, and they will tell you things like, well, my ex contacted me and he or she would love to have me back. So basically, if you don't, you know, if you don't step into line, Uh, They'll take me back in a heartbeat. But often that person doesn't even exist or they may be having this, these relationships outside of your relationship, but that person may not know anything about you or not be saying any of these things, but it's used to make you feel like you have gotten the prince or princess and that you should feel so blessed and that you should do anything to hold onto this person. So you can't always believe what they're saying. Okay. And then um, there's an escalation of abuse. This is where um, they're becoming cruel. It's not just that they're not nitpicking. They, it's not that they're just nitpicking. They are now becoming control and contemptuous of you. You're noticing financial abuse, um, sometimes sexual abuse, emotional abuse. You may experience physical violence uh, or you may not because narcissists don't necessarily need to do that, but they may make you feel as if you're unsafe. Um, You are being blamed for everything that's going wrong in the relationship. And if there is betrayal in this relationship, it's your fault. It's because you have done something to cause this. 
And then you feel as if you're being discarded, maybe temporarily, maybe permanently. Um, So the discard phase is where the narcissist is acting defensively against these narcissistic wounds. They're projecting their shame and insecurities onto you and escalating the abusive behaviors. Um, new victims are being love-bombed and groomed at the same time that they're still in this phase with you where you are being treated so poorly. And they get the sense of re-energization from this fresh new narcissistic supply, which makes them feel empowered and more controlling. Um, So... One of the things that narcissists do is they isolate you from friends and family. And if they can't do this, your relationship is not going to last very long because your support network, which is your reality check, is going to advise you of what's going on. Whether or not you believe it or not um, is another story. But what you'll find is this person will, you know, initially they loved everything about you, loved everything about your friends, your family. Now they're finding fault with your friends. And the implication is that you don't want to be like them. They may even be introducing you to another group of friends, which are often other abusers and insisting that, their friends are superior to yours and that you should only engage in social, social interactions or events if it's coming from their end, their people. They, another way that they isolate you is they act jealous that, um, of others. They may act jealous of your friends. They may act jealous of your family. They may, they may act jealous of your children, and then they keep implying that you are sexually attracted to other people, whether it be friends or strangers. Um, during this isolation period, they will talk about you behind your back. They want your friends to doubt their perception of you, and really the friends who are a caddy or immature or just new friends are going to be especially vulnerable to this. They act like such a great person, a great guy, a great gal, so that your unsuspecting friends can't believe this abuser is the evil creature that they truly are. And you're going to find later on when you try to explain this to other people, this is why they're not going to believe you. Um, They call you their soulmate. And they create this world in which only the two of you exist. Sometimes they may convince you to move where they live or a place where they want to live. And this is often away from your support system, from the people who care and love for you. Um, If you find yourself slipping away from your 
support system, make sure that you immediately reconnect. So the second um, phase is called what Biderman um, calls the mon monopolization of perception. And this is where the abuser keeps your attention on them. So they may act like they love you so much they can't bear to be away from you. This is where they will cause drama in your relationship, act jealous. Take little things and blow them way out of proportion. Um, become angry. Become emotional. Isolate. Hide. Become tearful. And then just expect you to know why. You're supposed to begin to predict how they're feeling. But understand that these are behaviors that are meant to induce that in you. And you can't possibly know what's going on because it's a manipulation tactic. Um, your abuser during this time is going to say things that cause you to look inside to find the problems of your soul and begin to solve them, whether they truly exist or whether they don't. This, the abuser will attempt to remove you from your world. So anything that this person cannot control. And it could be things such as watching certain television shows, um, bad-mouthing the things that interest you, the people you, you are hanging out with, the groups that you belong to. Um, you may even be told where to get your clothes. They may even want to go with you and shop with you. Or they may, at home, pick out your clothes. Um, Your abuser will make it impossible for you to do things that are off limits. Um, so they'll text you constantly, call you constantly, show up unexpectedly, um, create uncomfortable feelings, whatever they can do to force you into compliance. But at the same time, making it seem like you are choosing to be compliant with these things. The third thing is called induced debility and exhaustion, where your abuser attempts to weaken your ability to resist their control. They do this by making fun of you when you have certain emotions. So basically telling you you have no, no right to be angry or frightened or find humor in anything other than what they find humor in, um, that um, your emotions are unacceptable. Basically, they're belittling all the things about you that initially they may have told you were wonderful. Now they're telling you, you can't be who you are. You can't express who you are. They find ways to make you feel guilty for not going along with them or agreeing to their opinions. Now they're telling you that your character is less than acceptable. You should really work on correcting it. Um, you are forced to meet their high standards of whatever it is, their high standards of being clean, of, of parenting, 
of being religious or spiritual. Um, their high standards of what it means to be attractive or beautiful. Um, they begin adding responsibilities to your life that are just, they exceed what should be expected in a relationship. Um, okay, and then the next thing, the fourth thing is the threats begin. They threaten to leave you if you, whatever you do. And you believe that if you don't step into line or do everything the way your abuser wants you to do, that they're going to leave you, and this terrifies you. The fifth thing is called occasional, occasional indulgences or reward and abuse. There's different names for this. And so this is um, in the cycle of abuse. There is this period of indulgence which we know as the honeymoon period, and it's followed by episodes of emotional, verbal, or physical abuse. And these intermittent behaviors come at any time the abuser feels like they're pushing you too hard or senses that you had enough of uh, the abuse, senses that you're pulling away, senses that you're on to them. So um, this is supposed to make you hold on to the good things and forget about the bad things. And it's about giving you crumbs. If you get one thing you want, even if you've been abused and lost everything else you wanted, you hold on to that one thing that you're getting. And what you do is you use it and you want to earn more because it feels good, <clears throat> good to you that you're getting what you want. And it feels, also feels to you as if the person is coming around, that your abuser is changing into the person that you hope he or she would be. Um, so this is called reward and abuse. And it's when they give you crumbs, they throw a bone to you. And every other time they're abusing you and treating you horribly, but here... They're giving you one nice thing every once in a while, and it's enough to make you switch over and say, well, maybe uh, he or she isn't as bad as I uh, thought they were. You know, maybe, maybe I'm imagining things, which is one of the things that you are trained to do through brainwashing. Uh, the sixth thing is demonstrating omnipotence. So have you ever felt like you're being stalked or tracked or like they seem to have, you know, a GPS locator on your car or on you or that there's cameras in the house and that your abuser seems like he or she is everywhere and you don't have a second to yourself? Well, they do this. They display omnipotence by playing judge, jury, and prosecutor. They say what you did, why you did, and they give you a punishment that's suitable to that crime. Nothing you say will stop the verbal or physical violence of the punishment. And by the time they're done, you feel like you deserve it. But um, I find, I hear a lot that people do feel like they're being stalked or tracked. And that's not uncommon for narcissists to do. 
but they also can be very in tuned to you and they pick up on clues. So it may seem as if they truly have these devices that are tracking you when, when actually they have other ways of doing this, but I wouldn't deny that they are actually uh, tracking you, stalking you because they do. Sometimes they will tap into your devices. Sometimes they'll have spyware put on your computer and you'll find that everything that you email all of a sudden now when they talk to you, they're saying these things. So be very careful about your, what you do on, um, on any electric, electronic devices. Um, the seventh thing is enforcing trivial demands. So this is where you're not a good enough cook. You're not a good enough clean, a cleaner. Um, whatever you do, you don't do it right. You spend too much at the store. You are using too much product when you clean. Um, you're taking too long to do it. You're taking too long to clean the house. Um, you may be asked exactly how much it costs you to clean the house, how much chemical you're using, what it costs, and the exact amount that you're using to try to enforce trivial demands. Um, and what happens with this is that it can take away your uh, a hobby or something that you really used to enjoy because they're creating this, these trivial rules around doing it. So, you know, maybe you had a hobby of gardening. Well, now the rules have become so trivial that you don't even want to do this anymore. The hobby is, not, is becoming not worth it. Um, the eighth thing is degradation. This is when you try to resist your abuser's demands and stand up for yourself. And anytime your anger rises and the abuser has to deal with your fury, the punishment is more severe than if you just didn't create such a disturbance, if you didn't resist it. And so after a while, you stop fighting because you feel as if complying preserves more of your self-respect than if you refuse to do something. Um, you are degraded with words through physical or physical assault or sexual assault, humiliation that may be in front of your friends or your coworkers. Um, you become nothing in your mind. You fight to prove your worth to your, to your abuser. But by this time, your abuser and your relation with, relationship with them is the only reality you really have. So these are um, some tactics for brainwashing. And there's a couple other things. Let's see. So there's, here are some brainwashing and mind control techniques. One is peer group pressure, which is suppressing doubt and resistance to new ideas by exploiting the need to belong. We talked about love bombing, creating a sense of family through physical touch, thought, feeling, sharing, emotional bonding. Another thing is rejection of old values. 
accelerating acceptance of new lifestyle by constantly denouncing former beliefs and values. Confusing doctrine, encouraging blind acceptance and rejection of logic through complex lectures on an incomprehensible doctrine. Um, Metacommunication. This one, you know, have you ever had these long, confusing lectures by your abuser? And you feel like no matter what you say or do, you just can't win this conversation, but they go on and on and on about a particular thing. And what they're doing here is they're implanting subliminal messages by using certain keywords or phrases. And they keep stressing them, these subliminal messages. So the last thing you ever want to do is get into a long lecture with a narcissist. You want to stop it, walk away, find something else to do, get up, say you have to go to the bathroom, whatever it is to interrupt it. Um, Uncompromising rules, inducing regression and disorientation by soliciting agreement to seemingly simple rules which regulate mealtime, bathroom breaks, use of medications. They're micromanaging you. Um... We talked about the dress code where they may try to tell you how to dress. Ah, okay, confession. Encouraging the destruction of your individual ego through confession or personal weaknesses and innermost feelings of doubt. They want to get inside your head and find out what makes you tick. They want you to reveal your weaknesses. But when you do, understand that that's going to be intensified and they're going to use them against you. Financial commitment. Um, Narcissists will will try to get you locked up financially with them to increase your dependence on them. Now, it may not necessarily be that, but it it will be to lock you in so it makes it harder to leave. So what they do is they will either go into um, real estate investments with you, buy a home together, make sure that, you know, that your name is on the mortgage, um, buy a business or enter your business so that they become an invaluable part of the business so that you can't leave. Sometimes in families, I hear this a lot, um, fathers will bring their children into the family business from a pretty young age so that it's the only job they know how to do. And if they ever want to leave, they have no experience anywhere else and they will have no reference because the parent is not going to give them a good reference. So if you've been in family business for years and years and years and you get out, you have no way of of earning an income. Um, Let's see. Guilt, reinforcing your need for salvation by exaggerating all the sins of of everything you've ever done before. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty much um, the brainwashing tactics that are used on you. 
um, brainwashing is defined in the psychology dictionary as that which manipulates and modifies a person's emotions, attitudes, and beliefs. It reduces a person's ability to mentally defend themselves and makes it easier for another person to control them. So these are, um, so Biderman, um, Professor Biderman created what's called the chart of coercion. And the first one is isolation. The second one is monopolization of perception, which is when they fix fixes attention on immediate predicament, eliminates undesirable stimuli. Uh, the next one is induces debilitation or exhaustion. The next one is threats. Uh, then he goes to occasional indulgences, providing motivation for compliance, demonstrating superiority, degradation, enforcing trivial demands. So these are the eight elements of the chart of coercion. So if you're listening, um, do you have any, if you have any questions or anything you want to comment about or ask me about when it comes to brainwashing, but brainwashing is absolutely what is happening here in your relationship with your narcissist. And there's no real way to avoid it because the tactics are used in, um, in such a deliberate way that you really don't see what's happening to you. And it's why when you get out of these relationships, you have such a hard time um, gaining your equilibrium back because you don't realize that you have been brainwashed and that you do have an attachment to your abuser, whether you're with this person or not. And just because you are getting away from them, just because you are moving on does not mean that you heal the brainwashing. So it's very important that you work with a professional who can help you to deprogram what's been put into you and then reprogram a healthy lifestyle, a healthy way of living. And this is why I talk about, so, so often talk about the fact that you, um, if you've been in a relationship with a narcissist, you must get professional help because all these things have been used on you and they don't just go away. It's impossible for them to go away. They have changed the way you are thinking, which may feel strange because you feel like you're thinking the way you're thinking. You feel like you're being logical. You think that you have um, a pretty clear view on what has happened to you. And while you may know it intellectually, you don't feel it emotionally and you are not experiencing that understanding on a subconscious level. So in order to heal this, you have to, um, you have to have that healing. So I recommend that. Um, if you don't already have my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, I highly recommend that you pick up a copy of it. It is the most comprehensive book on this that you could ever find. And as I said earlier in the show, if, you, um, if you've read it, but you haven't listened to it, I really recommend that you do that because the audio version, which you can now get on Amazon and will be available through all other channels, is uh, a whole different perspective to the book. And when you listen to it, you will glean different information than you did through reading it. It's probably good to have both because you may want to take notes in the book and that kind of thing. But um, And then if you have not read my my memoir, um, Cliff Edge Road, 
that's another thing that you may want to pick up and read because I talk about what it's like to be to go through childhood narcissistic abuse and I explain through my memoir how it affects the choices that we make as adults negative ways and that and how we can make these choices and not even realize why we are making the choices but the book is also it has um, it's very inspirational because it shows how I went through the process of healing that and how different my life changed as a result of healing the entire wound from my childhood abuse um, and how I discovered the, how deeply codependent I was and why I was making the choices I was making, which I thought were the, you know, other people victimizing me. So um, pick up a copy of Cliff Edge Road and read it. It's very easy reading. You'll probably be able to read it in a couple of days. People tell me they can't put it down. So that's really, I love hearing that. So I'll just pass that on to you. So that's all I have for you today. Uh, if I still have a few minutes, if anybody feels like they want to call in and ask me any questions. If not, um, let me just tell you what's coming up when I find time for healing. So this Tuesday, the 13th, I have Randall Bell. Um, and Randall Bell is going to be talking about post-traumatic thriving, sharing essential elements for authentic healing. And then on April 20th, oh wait, April 16th, I have Tom Palladino. And he is a Scalar energy researcher. And um, this is the fundamental life force that's found everywhere in the world, space, universe, that originates from the sun and stars. It's also called chi or prana, om, mana, life force, the pyramid energy. So that's going to be really interesting as well. And then on the 20th, I have Melanie Weller. Um, she's a medical visionary. And she um, leverages Vegas nerve principles for visionary development, performance enhancement, fine-tuning genius. The vagus nerve is a nerve that goes all the way through our body and affects many, many different areas of our body. But she's going to talk about what it does and how it influences us. Uh, and then on April 23rd, I have Lydia Vanderbrock back. And she is coming back every month. She's here to discuss a different chakra. And we go through what the chakra is about. And then she heals it for us and explains how to, uh, <clears throat> how to do that on our own as well. And this month in April, she'll be doing the third chakra, which is, let's see, we've got the root, the sacral. Let me just see what the third chakra is. Um, yeah, I can't think of what it is right now, but it's the third chakra. So we'll be doing the third chakra healing. So that will be on April 23rd. And then on April 28th, I have Rain Howard, Rainy Howard, who is an award-winning um, relationship and lifestyle strategist who has made it her mission to help others evolve through lessons of love, wellness, and wealth 
and consciousness. She's a, a powerhouse entrepreneur with a best-selling book, several best-selling books, and uh, a podcast that she hosts. So we've got some really, really good things coming up. And I will be back with this show to talk about narcissistic abuse on May 14th at 11 a.m. Eastern. So I hope you'll come back. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye.